Father, we are so grateful to be in your presence. Thank you for your word that is alive, that changes us, that transforms us. Your word that opens our understanding so that we know not only what you're saying, but what we must do. So indeed, Father, in the name of Jesus, by your anointing, let your word have effectual impact upon your people today. We, we do thank you for this. We praise you for all the many prayers that have been prayed coming to fruition because they hear and they obey. I give you all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are many transactions that are hanging in the heavens that have not um, been fulfilled yet. I believe this is the time of their fulfillment. What I want to share with you in continuing in what the Lord has given us, I do want to tell you a story. I didn't know she knew I was going to tell a story today, but I do want to tell you a story, and I want to get on with it because I don't want it to be too lengthy. It's a lot of talk. Listen, Hollywood, you know, they have a problem. Hollywood has a problem right now. Hollywood thinks it's God, and uh, Hollywood wants to make you believe their version of who God is and their version of what life is. But you know what, it, wouldn't it be awesome if, if God, and I believe that he is, raising up some men and women that will replace Hollywood, that will be able to tell God's stories in such a way that transform and change people's lives. This story that I'm gonna tell you today is so awesome, I, I have to help myself zero in on what part of this is appropriate for you this morning. So I want you to go to the Old Testament because it's pretty vivid because we're talking about family this is one of the famous most famous families in the world and God doesn't leave out details of their problems uh, and 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 uh, so I want to I want to share with you from that go to Genesis if you would I think a good place to start is Genesis chapter 28 um, I want you to see how important your encounters with God really are. God, when God wants to get your attention, he knows how to get it. When you go to uh, Genesis, are you in Genesis 28? In Genesis 28, verse 13, I'm going to start there. And by God's grace, you'll receive understanding. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to tell your story. Genesis chapter 28 says, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I'll give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you, in you, and in your descendants shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I'm with you. 
I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I want to stop there. Just say amen. Everybody can say amen. So here we are. We have this proclamation of God. He appears. Who is he appearing to? I'm sorry. He's appearing to Jacob. And J Jacob's father is who? Isaac. And Isaac's father is Abraham. So God is now in this passage repeating a promise that he gave to Abraham. You, want, you know what? Many of you have not thought about this. Maybe you should ask God, what promises did you promise my father's father? What promises did you promise my father's father? What promises have you promised those before me that I have not received yet? That I'm not walking in yet? And so, Jacob, who's the third generation, which seals the deal. God chooses three generations of obedience to seal what he said. He gave it to Abraham, then he gave it to Isaac, and then he gave it to Jacob. So, here we go. And Jacob, you ought to, if you don't know who Jacob is, you should learn because Jacob is amazing. I, in fact, I think I have some Jacobs here today listening. God was, uh, God was so amazing when he came to Abraham. You know the story of Abraham. Do you remember the city Haran? Haran was a place where Abraham's father God spoke to Abraham's father. God told Abraham's father, I want to take you into a land that, that I have for you. But Abraham's father got hung up where he was. He let his circumstances keep him where he was. Where Abraham's daddy died was not the place that God really had for him. The call on Haran's life was passed to his son Abraham. When Abraham became of age, God, the God who came to Haran, came, I'm, I'm, forgive me, the God that came to Terah, Terah was Abraham's father, the place he was was Haran. God came to Terah to call him out of Haran into the place that God wanted. By the way, tell your neighbor, wherever God wants you is where the blessing is. You better get where God wants you to be. Tell your neighbor what I said. In fact, I want to say that to you as a church because in the, in the scripture, the promises, be, the, the land of promises become the, the word of God and the house of God, the people of God <laughs> are representative of the promises of God. And let me just say this to you. You ought to get where God wants you to be. And by the way, we just had some new members that, were, that came through, uh, new members. Am I right? Stand up if, you, if, you're, if you, are, you are acknowledged as a new member. Where are you? Where are you? 
There's one, two, that's three. Welcome up, welcome home. You have no idea what you've come into. It really is amazing. Be sure you're where God wants you to be. God is, is animate not about just what you're to do, but where you are to be. You know, you can be doing the right thing in the wrong place and not get the blessing. Where you are is important. So God made sure that Terah, who died in Haran, mm, who had a son named Abraham, who heard God speak to him, and God said, I want you to leave this place and go where I tell you. And Abraham, you know the story, he packed up his, his wife, himself, all his possessions, and his nephew, and they left. And they were searching for this place that God said, I'm going to show you, I'm going to lead you to the place I have for you. Some of you, your life was sort of like that. You, you were, you, you know, you were... You were moving, traveling, traveling, going from place to place, and God just impressed on you where, if I could get the story of your life, of how you got here, it probably would be amazing. It's important that you're in the right place. And so Abraham, he's now in the right place following God. For Abraham, the right place was traveling until God said, stop, this is it. And God finally did. And then in that place that God established him, of course, he had his son Isaac, who was a miracle child. What you going to say when not? Sarah, 90 years old, she birthed this baby. I mean, when you get pregnant at 90, somebody's eyes are wide open. Amen. And, uh, uh, and so Abraham is just, he just beside himself, and, and his wife Sarah, she, um, she finds joy again. Hallelujah. And this baby comes, and they name him Isaac. And when I, Abraham, Isaac, and when Isaac is old enough to say, Daddy, God says, uh, take this boy I gave you and sacrifice him on the mountain. And Abraham takes the joy of his life to sacrifice him before God. And just about the time he's to do it, God says, stop Abraham, now I know that you will order your house aright. All the promises that I promised you, they will now come about. And those were generational promises and promises of land and wealth and you're going to impact the whole earth through your family by the way in case you didn't know it there's nothing more important to god than family look at your neighbor tell there's nothing more important to god than your family he oversees that thing he watches over that thing that's why he hates abortion, and that's why he hates same-sex relationships, and that's why he hates those who are confused between men and women, because you can't get another generation out of a man and a man. You can't get another generation out of a woman and a woman. So the generations that God plans to bring forth can only come forth when a man and when a man loves a woman. You understand what I'm saying? God is overseeing that in Abraham's life, making sure he has the right wife. 
God can't get the next generation that he wants with the wrong woman. He has to have the right wife joined to the right man. God's overseeing that thing. You want to blow your mind? Read the Old Testament, how God brings the man and the woman together. Not the man and the man, not the woman and the woman. How God brings the man and the woman together. How he does that, God is all up in there. Raise your hand if you can see how God really did help you to find the right person. Raise your hand. And if you can't raise your hand, I'm praying for you that God will make them the right person. Amen. Did you stand up, Chauncey Brown? Yeah. Well, I want to concur because I was praying. God answered the prayer. But I wonder what generations are going to come out of that. Ooh, so Abraham, he, he, he brings this precious child because Abraham needs deliverance from owning that child. Abraham needs to be delivered from control over that child. Abraham needs to be delivered from the fear of the loss of that child. Abraham has to know that what God has done, he's the one that's able to finish it. So when he raises a knife, in obedience to the voice of God, God stops him and says, I have prepared for you a substitute, a sacrifice. There, over there in the bush, get the ram. Now sacrifice him. And by the way, how many of you remember when Abraham went up that mountain, his son went up the mountain, he, Abraham put the wood on the, on the back of his child. So he was, had to be strong enough so, you know, Abraham's kid, walking up with the wood on his back. They're going up the mountain. Hey, Dad, you know, uh, and, we, and, what, and what we're up here for? Oh, son, God will show us when we get up here. Well, Dad, I know I've seen you do sacrifices again and again in your worship to God, but I don't see what we're sacrificing for. What are we sacrificing here? And, God, and Abraham said, oh, God will provide the sacrifice. So the boys ask him a question. I mean, the daddy's wise. By the way, we need more wise fathers that don't tell our kids everything. Don't tell them you, I'm about to, I'm about to, you the one. He gets there and, and, and then he builds an, a what? Say it again. He builds a what? Mm. He stacks those stones rightly and he lays the child um, and he binds the child. He puts the wood, and he, he's going to. Would, would, he would. He would take his life and then burn. The smoke would go up to God. That's what he had in his mind. You know, the person he'd been looking, waiting for for 25 years that he couldn't make happen. He had to take all the jeers and all the sneers and all the criticisms of not of shooting blanks and not being able to bring a, bring forth a child and, and all the all the sneers at, at his wife Sarah who would deliver children but she couldn't have them herself and, and 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 yet he wanted that and everybody looking at them like something's wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with them God is just waiting for his timing and when God brings forth that child and tells Abraham, give me your son. It's the altar, say the altar. It's the altar that he brings his son to. When the angel stopped him, 
then the ram was put on and, and he slew the lamb and the lamb's blood and the lamb's life was given instead of his sons and so it is for you and I his son is sacrificed on the altar for us Isaac comes down the hill not just a single son he comes down the hill a multiplied generation all the generations are inside of his son Isaac and Isaac has a tough time finding a wife but once he finds the right wife please read the story how God brought Isaac's wife to him oh you need to know the love story about Isaac and Rebecca some of y'all think you know what a love story is you got to read that it's amazing it's not in my purview this morning but it, yeah it happened and by the way she was barren too so that child they brought forth came forth by the help of the Lord Abraham Isaac I am the God of Abraham Isaac and come on and Jacob and so Jacob where we are right here today Jacob now comes out of Isaac doesn't Jacob have a brother I'm sorry does anybody here read the Bible doesn't Jacob have a brother is he a twin brother what's his name Esau so in this tale of this tale of two brothers and in this saga of the power of an altar these two brothers are at odds I mean I mean they, when in their birth they're tangling with each with each other how many of you have kids that fight each other every day don't lie I see him out you can look raise your hand come break come on shame the devil you have, how many of you have kids that fight do you have kids that fight Oh, you just want to knock them out, right? All y'all do too, but you don't want to say nothing because you, you think, you know, you might be, they might call child protective services on you. These guys are at odds, and, and who comes out first? Esau comes out first. Esau comes out first. Esau, this kid is like, he is the quintessential, you know, ninja warrior. He's hairy, a lot of testosterone. He wants to run in the field. He wants to shoot the animals. He wants to skin them alive right there in the field. He smells like the field. Have you ever smelled kids have been outside all day? That's es Esau. Esau. Esau was a man's man. Esau would have been in the movies today. You know, he'd have been the he'd have been the Navy SEAL. Esau would have been the the, 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 the captain of the, of the of the King's Army. Esau would have been the guy that you know he can deal with. You know he, you know you know that that, that, that dumb movie about naked and afraid. <laughs> I guess a television series. Y'all never seen Naked and Afraid? Don't. All right. Anyway. Esau, he's an outdoor guy, you know. And dad, you know, dad's so proud of Esau. You know, Isaac is so, is so, is so proud of Esau. He's the firstborn. 
He hunts. He kills fresh meat every day. He's a kid that goes, <laughs> he goes, out, goes out in the woods with his, with his, with his, with his CO2 BB gun, and shoots the squirrels and brings it back. Look, Dad, look what I got today. He, he, he can cook too. You know, like wood survival? He saw this survival in the woods? Yeah, he saw he was that kind of guy. So he, he would cook this meal and he'd bring it to his father. And his father said, mm, I just love that game. Mm. And he was his father's, he was his father's actually favorite. But there's another brother called Jacob. And Jacob, well, Jacob is he's smooth skinned, he ain't got much hair. He's not necessarily, you know, athletic. No, he's, he's not strange and he's not homosexual. Did you all get that online? But he is smooth, smart, cunning, observant analytical oh he's that kid he doesn't want to go outside and play baseball he'd rather be on the iPad he's not the kid that he's a kid that stays closer to his mama than his daddy Esau he hang around with daddy because daddy love all Esau my boy Jacob, Jacob sat around and listened to the women talk. Esau was not, Esau in his identity was not confused whether he was a male or a female. But he did get a lot of joy being around the female. What did I say? Jacob got a lot of he, uh, he enjoyed mom conversations. I'm sorry, am I talking to anybody here today? You got some kids like that? You know, daddy got a kid, you know, he didn't take it. that one kid, you know, you can take him, throw him up. Woo! That other kid, you raise him up. Ah! Yeah, I'm still talking about family. So it is that Jacob, <laughs> Jacob, uh, he's getting old now, and the Bible says his eyes are dim. Very interesting. I think it's really actually like cataracts. Dim, and he can hardly see. And he's thinking, I don't have many days left. And he's got a responsibility that has not been discharged yet. So... He, he, these things have come upon him, he's considering these things, and of course his wife, he's close to his wife, his wife is close enough to hear every conversation she shouldn't hear and she should hear, amen. And so it is, some of you know this story, that Jacob is, is talking about, hey, you know what, I need to, 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 he said, he said uh, Esau, I, I need you to go, go out there and kill me some game and hunt and bring me back some of that, bring me back some of that, some of that 
feel, I start to say roadkill, but <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> My wife said, bring me back some of the ribs that you fixed. So he said, okay, Father. And you know, he get, grabs his bow. He's off to the field. Jacob is hanging around mom. Now mom knows how to fix all that too. Because she probably taught Esau how to do it. Now, 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 Jacob, he ain't going out to, he ain't going out there to, he ain't going, he ain't going to shoot no animal. You, know, you ever had those kids that don't want to get nothing dirty? You know, they, I mean, they, they, you know, they're always, they, they want to get, <laughs> they have to be clean. You ever had those kids that just spot, I'm sorry, am I talking to you? Maybe so. It's spot clean, they're just, you know, I mean, they got to have everything straight, all colors match. You understand what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with them, that's just their nature. You know, they, they like everything in order. Jacob hanging out with his mom. His mom overhears that the daddy is going to give the blessing to Esau. So Esau goes out to hunt, and the mama said, your daddy don't know. I got some of that right there in the kitchen. Go in there and get that deer that he want, he want Esau to, to kill. Go in there and get it, and, 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 and we're going to fix it up, and then I want you to serve it. I want you, 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 Jacob, I want you to serve it to your daddy. Jacob said, you all look at the text. He said, Mom, he said, if I go in there and, and I, I, I deceive my father, you should read this because you need to hear this. If I deceive my father, a curse will come upon me. So I want to just say it right here for many of you simply need to repent from the deception toward your parents so that you, the curse will lift off of you. And there was quiet. Jacob said, I don't know if I want to do that, Mom. You know, if he knows, you know, my dad, he knows. He can't see, but he can hear and he can smell. And I do not smell like Esau. You don't have much hair, and you're always washing. You, you know, your, 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 your fragrance is different than the guy who out there in the field, walking in the cow stuff, and you know, out there, you know, yeah, yeah, different. When Esau comes in the tent, everybody knows it. Don't laugh. Some of y'all got kids like that. They just think. <laughs> so she up that she whoops up that 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 venison or that that dish he likes said now son go in there and serve I can't go in like this my father he'll know he'll know I'm not he'll know I'm not Esau here come here so she takes the animal skins the animal and she puts the animal fur on his arms and his hands so when the daddy who can't see that well feel oh feels I feel like you know so Jacob comes in he says dad uh, I got that dish you want. He said, Woo, that was fast. How you get that that quick? Well, the Lord blessed me. He said, Come here, come closer to me. 
You know what happens to people when they start losing their sight? What happens to them? Their smell increases. And their sensories, other sensories take in. Other five sen other four senses, they take, they take, they, they get heightened. Come in, let me, let me, come, come, come in. Now the mother had made sure that she put on Jacob the smell of Esau. And the hairiness, but mama couldn't change his voice. He said, you know, you feel, you feel like Esau, but you, you sound like Jacob. So well, here, here's the dish, Dad. He tasted the dish, and it was exactly the way he knew that Esau would fix it. Probably his mama taught him. So he eats it. He said, now come sit down, son. Let me bless you. And he gives him the birthright, and he speaks over him. And I'll let you read it for yourself. He speaks over him this incredible blessing. By the way, this blessing he speaks over Jacob. Yeah, I will read it in a second. Is, 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 is a take from the same blessing that was spoken over Abraham, Isaac. By the way, I do want to say this for all of you parents here today it is your responsibility to pass to your children the blessing that God has given you it's your responsibility to make sure that what God has promised you because God when he makes your promise it's not just for you it's for your whole house and your whole lineage I'm convinced after having done so much premarital counseling that one of the worst things, one of the worst, one of the most missing elements of a, a new marriage is the blessing of the parents. Instead, the curses tend to rest on family. The sins of the fathers are visited to the third and the fourth generation. You still with me? I think I want to read this. I want to read what the blessing was. So in Genesis chapter 28, in Genesis 28 and 15, this is what I read a moment ago. God speaks a blessing, this blessing. Isaac pronounces over Jacob exactly what God had pronounced over him. And it's powerful and it's authority. And I'm going to tell every parent here today, there is authority in your voice and in your life to take what God has given you. That's why, you know what's terrible? When you don't know the blessing God has put in your life, you don't know the call that God has over your life. You don't know the, uh, the purpose and the appointment of God for you. When people don't know the, the, the purpose and the call over their life, they can't transfer the blessing that comes with that. Literally, I'm saying to you, that at some point, you need to, all fathers, moms, parents, 
need to lay their hands on their children to make sure there is a, a generational transfer of what God has put in you and what God has done for you comes over your kids. I'm wondering if you're hearing that. If you're hearing that, I want you to give God a praise and an applause with your hands. This, this authority God used in Abraham, Isaac, is praying for his son. And Jacob, he's praying in, in lieu of Esau. And God blesses him and gives him the birthright and the blessing. When you look in the scripture, you see there's two things mentioned. The birthright and the blessing. The birthright was the order of the family, which meant you got all the, most of the stuff. It, it's, it's under God's control. But most of the stuff comes to you because of the order God chooses to bring you in the household. But the blessing is the favor and the peace. The blessing is, is what is accompanied for you to have, for you to have the stuff and to, and to use the stuff. Some children get the birthright, but they don't know how to handle it because they don't have the blessing. Esau, Esau busting the tent. He got the he got, I'm going to call it a rabbit. He got the rabbit. He done skint the rabbit. He done fixed it up. And he said, Father, here is the stuff that I promised you right here. Because he's thinking, I'm about to get the inheritance. I'm about to get, I'm about to get loaded today. Praise God. I'm, I'm, about, I'm, about, I'm about to come into, oh, yes. And so he comes in and he, he, and, and he says, what? Who are you? He says, I'm, I'm Esau. I'm Esau, your oldest son. He said, well, who was that that was just in here? Oh, when Esau heard that his brother had taken his place and stole by deception the, the, the promise and the birth, the birthright and the blessing, he, you read the scripture, he's wailing. He, 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 he is so, he is so evil, so mad. He is so upset. Father, please give me, give, give the blessing, give me a blessing. Isaac said, you know, I, I've done what I've done. I have issued my authority. And because of that, and he knew it, he said, because of my authority, it will be done. I've already blessed him and he will be blessed. And, and you can see Esau on his knees. He's so mad. I'm talking to some folk today, I believe, that have been, you know, have really bad situations with their brothers and sisters. There's never been enmity like enmity can be until it's measured between brothers and sisters. How many of you know brothers and sisters can fight like my mama said, cats and dogs? I can't solve that problem for you in this message this morning. Hopefully I can get to it. But I will tell you, 
that God has a remedy for changing that, 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 that hatred, that separation. And there's nothing worse than you being in a family where you can't stand your brothers, you can't stand your sisters. And it's that thing that you have in your heart that impacts the generations. Satan understands how heinous it is, how effective it is for his kingdom to manifest when he separates brothers and, and brothers from brothers, sisters from sisters, brothers from sisters. He knows how ugly it is. You can have something against your brother, against your sister for years. And it could be little something like, you know, you know that, that special blouse that I bought you, but you took that blouse, you put it on, you went to the party, you messed it up, and you know, you didn't pay me. You know, I mean, isn't, isn't it amazing stuff you can, you can fight over? I'll tell you what's even worse. Mama loved you more. Daddy loved you more. Well, mama loved you more. You know, isn't that some craziness? I think I need one. Thank you. One of the reasons why the blessing of God has not been effectual in the generations is because of the turmoil and the separation that's happened between brothers and sisters. And many times parents are the real reason. Isaac was unwise in what he did. Isaac was responsible to establish the place of one before the other, to distinguish one from the other. There is enough blessing from God for every one of the children. Children don't decide when they come here, but God decides how he's going to use them. If you have enmity in your heart with your sister, with your brother, the, the condition in which you grew up in, and it's, 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 it's horrible between you. And you can tell every time you get together, that, that look in your eye, you know, you know, you know, you, you know, you know, you know, you know they, they come, you know, they, they, you, know, they, they, you know, they come. And when you see them, you know, you say, you say, hey. Unless you have a daddy, you're like my daddy. Thank you very much, sir. I just right, yes, need a push. No problem. Unless you had a daddy like my daddy, my daddy, oh, would not tolerate it. I told y'all a few weeks ago, it was like that T-shirt that a woman, she wrote on a T-shirt, big, uh, uh, extra large T-shirt, and put both, the, the, both children inside the same T-shirt. One arm coming out this way, the other child's arm coming out the other way. Both their heads and the neck coming. They stand together looking like this. On this, if this is, this is your get along or get a beaten t-shirt. I will tell you today that the, one of the, the problem, the problem was the parents' fault. Mama, she's scheming in the back tent, thinking that the only way the blessing is going to come to the right one is if I intervene. Not giving God an opportunity to intervene. So she lying, slick, and then got her kid involved. He didn't want to be involved, but no, you're going to do this. Well, go on and get in, get in there. Are you all breathing? One of the challenges, and God is now ready to address it. 
because if the, if the parents are alive, you got the power to come down with your authority and your blessing and heal what has been divided. Sometimes parents need to say to their child, I did not do this right. Sometimes all it takes is a word from the parents. I know I was going to tell you about my daddy. Oh no, that's one thing about Walter James Johnson. One thing about Walter James Johnson and his kids. Oh, you are not going to fight. It was like, I don't know what that was. Maybe it was because he was the only uh, child of his mom. And, and his dad had something like 20, almost 30 children. That's three different marriages. It might have been that in Walter, he just had that squabbling, that, that nigga. How many of you can't stand that thing? You don't even like to go to family reunion. Family reunion, where everybody comes together, by the time everybody gets to drinking, and, and, and it's crazy. I'm sorry, did I, am I talking about the wrong family? It's horrible. I speak this word to you today because you need to understand as parents, you have the, pro you have the power to change that situation. My dad would beat the living, that's what he called, beat the living daylights out of you if you fought your brother or your sister. He would get the skin off. I mean, it would be, it'd be more than red. We're talking about skin missing. Hello, somebody. So you feel it for a few days. Hello. All of you that belong to Child Protective Services, it's too late. He's gone on to his reward, and we are okay. Amen. To this very day, if we're mad, we're going to get it right, right now, because we ain't going to have no stuff between us. Because mom and dad made sure that mess ain't happening, not up in here, in my house. My daughter sent me a video. <laughs> I wish I could show it. I wish I could show it. Maybe one day I will. Because I think that joy is so funny. It's a little girl, and she's at the table, and she said, what's wrong with you? A voice says, what's wrong with you? She said, I want you to get up off of your, and you didn't charge my, bang. The screen gets dark, then the screen starts coming up. He said, oh, there she is, you're awake. Okay, come on. You know, you <laughs> You gotta help me get that, you gotta help me get that next week. Don't miss next week. When you see that, it's going, oh my God. She talked, that little girl was talking to her mama. That'd be like, that'd be like Siani talking to Toya. <laughs> now Chris, you know, oh he ain't gonna take that, but he would he would discipline it another way. He'd lower his voice and he'd start talking out like this, like my dad used to talk. Told you, uh-uh. Esau has a destiny. Esau has a part of what God wants to do. But it was started by his anger 
and his hatred for his brother. The mama said, son, he went back to Jacob. said, Jacob, here, gather your stuff, boy, because you know your, your brother. I, the, the, my servants heard him talking. Say he's going to kill you. So get your stuff and get on out there and go on down to my uncle's house, to my brother's house, right? his, his uncle. Going down to my brother's house. He said, go on down there and live across the country because so, your brother, he, we, he, until he calmed down. It took a long time for Esau to calm down. Every time he thought about that thing. Am I, <clears throat> am I talking to the right people when I say sometimes when you think about how you were cheated or how you were mistreated or how, you know, you just, you just, 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 just. Isaac is, is Isaac closes his eyes and goes to be with the Lord and he leaves these two sons at odds with each other. And Jacob, who's running for his life, is by himself for the first time in the wilderness, which he don't like anyway. And he finds a rock upon to lay his head. It's the nighttime. He's not at his destination yet. And he finds this rock to lay his head. Are you all there? And when he lays his head down, I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you up in just one moment. I'm in 28. Genesis 28. Thank you, 18. Are you there? So Jacob rose early in the morning and I don't want to go a little bit too fast. Okay, so he has, he lays down at night and he starts dreaming. By the way, he has no idea where he is. He knows he's in the right direction, but he has no idea where he is. Now, a lot of folks are like that. You know, they're, they're trying to get... It, it, they're trying to live, they're trying to get to the next place. They just don't know where, they don't know where they are. And when, you know, when family, when family is disintegrated or broken, you know, it leaves people without direction. I feel like many in the body of Christ are that way. Their blood family has been disintegrated and even the family that God birthed them in it may not even be operating and they just, they don't know what to do. By the way, we do have a whole generation that floats from congregation to congregation because they don't understand where they should be. Because until you get to the place where God wants you to be, it's there that God will choose to bless you. The purpose of God to bless your life, the blessing of God is waiting for you to be in the right place so that it can descend upon you and you can begin to walk in what God really intended. Jacob is running from family mess. He has, he's in a lot of pain and a lot of, because he, know, he knows what he did. He knows what his brother's capable of. He knows his father is about to die, so he doesn't even know whether he's going to ever see his daddy alive again. 
He's obeying his mother to send him to a place he'd never been there before. And he's in the desert overnight, and God visits him. Notice, please, verse 11. A certain place he spent the night there because the sun had set and he took some of the stones of the place and put them under his head and laid down in that place there was something prophetic about his action he took the stones he put them in a certain place and he laid his head on that place and as he dozed off to sleep he dreamed, and in the dream, a ladder was, came out of heaven. It was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were descending and ascending on that ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father. And the God, of, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I'm going to give this land to you and to all your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out on the east and the west and the north and the south. He, the promise that was given to Abraham, it was the same promise that was given to Isaac. And now it comes to Jacob. But if you could know the history, when God gives the promise, he always does it in a certain place. This kid has no idea that the very place he is, is actually the place of his grandfather. Look at Genesis chapter 12 for a moment. In Genesis chapter 12, Verse 8. It's about Abraham, his grandfather. The Bible says Abraham proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and, and, and pitched his tent with, with Bethel on the east and Ai on the Bethel on the west and Ai on the east and there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the Lord. This place where Abraham was sojourning, that is, he was following, trying to find God, this same place his grandson comes to. You know what, I, I'm, I'm struck, I've been struck these last few weeks with the, the not, only, not, not just with the sins of the fathers, but the blessings of the fathers. The sins of the fathers get transferred automatically through the blood. But the blessings of the fathers can only be transferred by the mouth, by the spoken word. And here, this, here in this place, Jacob, by the way, you know his real name is Swindler. Look up his name. Trickster. Fraud. Crooked smooth 
even though he knew there was repercussions for playing like his brother and stealing the birthright, even though he knew there were repercussions of it, it really was, he didn't want to go through with it, but in his nature, in his nature, he wanted that birthright. And he got it, but he got a whole lot more. He's laying on the ground, he builds this altar. He begins to construct these stones. And, and, and the, the dream is so, have you ever had a dream you didn't know whether you were dreaming or whether you were awake? Yeah. I'm convinced it was one of those kinds of dreams. And so when he did, when he did come to himself, and he realized where he was, I want you to notice what he says. After the Lord says to him, now I'm the same God your grandfather worshiped that revealed myself to him. I'm the same God that your father, I visited your father and I promised him. And I'm the same God I'm now promising you. A lot of, a, a many, a, one of the frustrations of this generation is they do not want to receive the, the, the call and the blessing that came upon their fathers. That's one of their frustrations. That's part, part, of, the, part of their identity problem. They don't know who, who to identify with because they have not fully identified with the plan of God, the purpose of God. And that's one reason why we must declare the good news. Parents, you must tell your children you, did you, most parents, when, when, your children, when your children are infants, you get an inkling of something about their future and their nature. It's up to you to, it's up to, you to speak that over them and to demonstrate it in whatever way that you can. And then God will come and confirm what you said and what you're saying in his time. In the same way that God came to Isaac to Jacob and the same with it, he came to Jacob and he said you know what I told your father and what I told your father's father I'm now telling you we got a problem because most of our children are ashamed of their parents they don't want to identify with what their parents identify with they don't, they don't want to identify with the God of their, their they, they want to test and try some other God, some other situation. Well, can we blame them? We put them in schools that taught them that way. I, I want to tell you, parents, one of the burdens I, I carry heavier than ever before is that we send our children into institutions so they can make a, a, that they can make a, a bigger dollar. And the exchange for a bigger income is a heart and a mind away from God. Because they're being taught that God is not. The crisis we have is that our, unfortunately our educational systems are now postured to be institutions of Satan that shape our children's minds and hearts like that of hell and not heaven.
It's because of that that Carol and I, in our conversations here over the last few months, have, have renewed a commitment to birth a school, our own school. I said, in our heart, our vision, our purpose is to birth a school right out of Metro, our own school, to raise up our children, and to raise up a godly generation with excellence. I said that to say, here it is, Jacob, he, uh, you know, he, he got problems because, you know, Jacob, he's slick. My, my wife has said, he got oil on him. And not, not the anointing oil. Excuse me. Let, let me let, tell your neighbor, God is a whole lot slicker than the slickness in your child. Amen. God is a whole lot. I, I promise you. The anointing is a whole lot more effective than the slick, slickness in your kids. So, he, you know, he done got away. He done got the birthright. He knows it's real. He knows it's going to happen. But now he got to run, and he comes to, he comes to Laban. Say Laban. He comes to Laban's house, and he has no idea what he's going to go through in the coming years. Just, just know this, parents. God is, can deal with your child's imperfections. Okay. He rises from that place and he, he realizes, he realizes that he's in the presence of God. A lot of our children, maybe even us, we need to realize that God is not restricted. God does not restrict himself in revealing himself. He's not restricted to any given location. He chooses times and places with which he reveals his plans and his purposes. But God, everything, when we talk about God's omniscience and God's omnipresence, we're not talking about God being in the trees and in the speaker, no. Everything is before God. He's that big. He's that pervasive. There's nowhere you can run, nowhere you can go without God. Those of you that have been running from God and running from God's purpose, when you get through running, you're going to run right into it. God, you, you, no matter what you do, no matter how hard, fast you run away from the pain that you experienced in your family with your brothers and sisters, with your moms and dads, or your no dads or no moms, all that you experience, many, many people are just enacting their life, their identity is really enacting, or as some would say, acting out their pain. I want to tell you in the name of Jesus. And God was watching over the promise he made Abraham and God knew that Jacob was on the way because God thinks generationally and God prepares generationally and he has prepared for your generation. So by the time this kid who finds himself in the desert running away from a brother who wants to kill him and he, he has a dream from the very presence of God. And God stands at the top of that ladder and pronounces over that kid all that he planned. When he finally comes to himself and he, he awakens, he tells, God told him how, how many of his, how deep his descendants would go. He tells him how far he would spread out. He gives him an inkling of the incredible influence of his life. 
In verse 16, when Jacob, Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely God was in this place. And I didn't even know. I know you didn't. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house, the word Bethel, the house of God. Same place in the 12th chapter, in the 12th chapter of Genesis that God got a hold of Abraham when he gave him that promise. So I don't know how, if you recognize it or not, but the times in which we are living right now is, is really a repeat of things that have happened in the past. More intense. More influential. But we, where we are now, we have been. So I want to leave you with this. Altars are the connection between heaven and earth. Altars are the place where God chooses for you to have your come to Jesus day. Even after you know Jesus. Altars are the place where the transactions of heaven that, the, that what is going on in heaven now comes to bear in the earth. So that Jesus' prayer becomes a reality. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, come on, as it is in heaven. Heaven's a priority. Earth is the target. You are the vessel. And when God begins to deal with your life, he does so. But it's always at the place of altars. You know how powerful altars are? You should look up the word altars in the Old Testament, it's a mind-blowing study. Altars, that place that is, a, by the way, what's amazing about altars is God always involves you in the construction of that. The many, every house, every person should, must have an altar. That place where, you, where God touches you and you touch God. Every family needs an altar. That place and that time where God is able to, to get his future manifested in your life, where God is able to show you what his will is and that will to be done. God will let you know what it is that he has for you and what you are to do at the altar. These days, the church has evolved into the place we call, we designate this place as the altar. We used to have, we still have, by the way, wooden altars that were built where you could come and kneel at the altar. We called it the altar. A-L-T-A-R, not A-L-T-E-R. God will A-L-T-E-R your life when you come to the A-L-T-A-R. Altars are the place where, where the Heavenly Father breaks out of heaven and comes into your presence where you are. If you don't believe it, you study every man, every woman that walked with God. Look, even if we even when you go to even when you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at the heroes of faith, every one of them had a place where God shows up. 
If you neglect that place, you neglect the promise, the purpose, and the blessings God has for you. It's at the altar that everything that's wrong gets right. It's at the altar that everything that needs to be fixed, everything that is broken, gets fixed. It's the place where you commune with God. That's why actually the communion table is actually the altar. It's the place of prayer. It's the place of praise. It's the place of petition. It's the place of worship. It's the place of blessing. It's the place where you encounter God. I want to tell you that every the, the, the reconstruction, the healing, and the blessing of families, it will happen at the altar. Where you have to admit the truth. Do you have one? Do you have an altar? Have you had an altar that's been neglected? that has not had your heart opened before God. Hasn't you, haven't you heard the voice of the Lord speaking to you of, that he, he longs to hear your voice in prayer? And where would you give your sacrifice to the Lord? Even the th sacrifice of thanksgiving can only be given at the altar. I want to end today with telling you that God wants you and I in your household, in your person to reconstruct. He wants you to get some stones and re I don't mean literally. The stones I'm talking about are the, are, are the things that have happened to you. The stones represent the incidences in my life the circumstances of my life. He wants you to bring that together and, and in that place that, by the way, at an altar, it is, it is, everything is extremely real. If you don't believe it, you should ask Isaac when he's laying on that altar. He has no idea that his father is about to take his life because he trusts his father. So when the father ties him up, he's laying there, you know, he said, oh, is this, is this called tie me up and see if I can get out? I'm not sure what this is, but it, I, mean, I mean, you don't you don't hear him struggling, you don't hear him screaming, you don't hear he's laying there, oh, he's tied up. The altar is the place where you 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 surrender your will, where you receive the way of the Lord. Your altar is a place that Satan desperately wants to keep away from you. He knows if you establish or reestablish that altar, that place in your life, he knows he is done. Please don't get religious on me. I'm not talking about you going down to the, to the, to the shop and buying you a, and buying you a, a, 
a little table and, and you put it up there and you put a little light candles on both sides put a little Buddha doll down there. no I'm not talking about that the altar is the, the, the most powerful awesome altar is right there within you where Jesus sits if he does so wherever you designate to get in touch with God now the altar is not just stable even though many of us have places that we can remember where God touched our lives that place is good for memory but it's not good for the future because God will always be fresh in your life that place of the altar is actually the place in your heart where God talks to you and then it gets expanded when the family comes together. Now that altar becomes you all. And God is, can't wait. He can't wait for you to do He can't wait for you to form that. Because he wants desperately to show up for you. So I close with this. Jacob, he says, Lord, he said, I was dumb. I didn't even know you were... I didn't know you were in this place. And he said, Lord, if you will keep me, protect me. I'm paraphrasing. Surround me with your presence. And see me back. And see my way forward. And see me to come back where I started. He said, Lord, I, 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 all of my life is yours. And, and by the way, some of you who have difficulty with giving, he, he says to God, he said, Lord, and this is one of the, one of the early places you see tithing. He said, he said Lord, a, a tenth of everything I own, this is Old Testament, a tenth of everything I own will go to you. It's, it's a place where you make a promise that you know you're not going to change. Everything else may change, but you're not going to change. And it's a, it's a place where what was promised now can become a reality. I leave you with this. How's your altar? Is it barren? Is the, is the ladder from heaven, is the ladder from heaven not all the way down in the place yet because you haven't taken your place. So that what God wants to say to you, what God wants to show you, he now can because you are in a position to hear him. And that every time we gather, by the way, the Lord was showing me this on the way here this morning. Every time we gather together as, not in, as the house of God, that he, an altar is formed. A place where heaven wants to come. That's why you sense what you sense when you worship together. That's why you, 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 you come to understand why we praise him together. Now the next time we do it, I want you to do it with understanding. When we come together, know that we're forming an altar that the angels and, and heaven is watching and the Savior just waiting to do what he wants done. Okay, but before that, 
Okay, okay, I got you. So what you got to do, stand on your feet. Here's what you need to do. I'm going to skip ahead real quick because when you wrestle with God, you know, at the altar, you know, the Lord may, may, he may get into a, a wrestling match with you. Wrestling match with you. By the way, when God wants to wrestle, he ain't got no problem whipping you. Hello, somebody. Are you breathing? Who's the one that wrestled with God? Wasn't it Jacob? Yeah. He, when he was at that altar, God was wrestling. This is after, after all God's taken him through, and he comes back to that place, and God keeps his promise, and he's at, the, uh, at this altar place. God wrestles with him. Why? Because Jacob needs to, re- needs to know that there is no way you can get done what, what I want you to get done on your own. It's a place of surrender. I want you to take it to mind, to heart, to begin to think, Lord, how, how do I construct, how do I, for many of you, how do I reconstruct the altar, that place where God most definitely will show up. Lift your hands to the Lord. Some of you, this is really hard for you because the only time you give mind to God is when you assemble as the house of God. The Lord was showing me this. The, one of the greatest altars missing that God wants to occupy is the altar between husbands and wives. And how little have you agreed together in prayer? What if the only thing holding you back from the next thing was your agreement in prayer in creating that altar, that place where God comes? If husbands and wives, if their altar is not constructed, then usually there's not a family altar. And I was really under conviction about this because I'm praying for people, praying all the time. But I'm thinking, Lord, how how is our family altar? Where is the register of the things that you have done? The things that you've accomplished that we've asked you for. As you stretch your hands out towards the Lord, I want you to, I want you to talk to the Lord about that place. If there's no prayer between you, sir, and her, if there's no prayer between you, and I promise there are other things between you. If there is no prayer between you and your children, then I promise you somebody or something else, and it's a wicked, evil thing that occupies that place. And the time has come now for there, for there to be a, an altar cleansed unto the Lord. If there ever was a time we're gonna need one that time has already come. Come on, talk to God right there, right where you are. Stretch your hands to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the courage of the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Lord, for those who will say to themselves, Lord, I, re I revive my altar. Satan cannot stop you from creating that altar before God. And when you do, God is waiting for you to do so. So he so badly wants to break through to you. In a hard place right now, form an altar. You're in a place you don't know what to do, create the altar. Suffering from the pain of family pains, create an altar. Talk to God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. What's next? I'm sorry, say it again. Forgive us our trespasses as who do what? trespass against us and then what lead us not into temptation Bob Mumford said don't let there be anything in my heart that you'd have to put to the test lead us not into temptation but what come on deliver us from evil why because the kingdom belongs to you thine is the kingdom and the what belongs to you and what else all the glory belongs to you that altar now clap your hands if you know that God will answer you if you do it he wants so badly for his will to be done and his kingdom to come and the way that it comes is through the altar that you build the prayer that you pray